celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Another really incredible lineup. Thank you so much, Judy. It's a really good shoe. You've booked author Stan Yoakum, who also happens to be the hero person of the week. Yes. I wonder what he's done to be a hero. We'll find out. Just we'll find out. Later. I don't want to give it away. You're going to have to listen to the uh, show. You want me to stick it. around, right? That's right. That's what it's called. It's called uh, forced listenership. There you That's go. What they call that in the business. Dr. Stanley Corinne will also be joining us, and he's going to be talking about the blacklisted breeds on insurance policies. This yeah. has been going crazy. All these insurance companies... Raising premiums because you own a certain breed. Right, and there is no standard across the board. These insurance companies are allowed just to select their own breeds that they're going to blacklist. Well, that should be uh, interesting. I have a lot of questions for him and, of course, Dr. Stanley Corinne. Just always fun to have on the air with us. Yes, Joey, what are you working on? Cigarette smoke and your dog's coat. How to get that stink out. Yeah, how about stopping? Don't smoke. It's not a smell, it's a stink. It's a stink. That's the easy way. Don't yeah, smoke around your pets. Yeah. That, yeah, that would be easy, but you know that you know that don't always happen. Really. Listen, I had a, I had a mother, <laughs> I had a mother that smoked around us. Listen, mom, I, if you listened to the show, you were very good. You weren't abusive, but um, you did smoke around us all the time, and um, you know, and and she continues to smoke around us. Well, they probably didn't know back in that age. Oh, is she still around? No, she's yeah, she's still around. She's eighty um four. And she's still around. She's still smoking. Pack a day, and she's eighty four, <laughs> and feeling good. Well, how about this? Yeah. She is. She's. A pack a day. My father was a four pack a day, and he's eighty seven, and he still goes up on the roof and cleans the gutters, and you know. Oh my god! <laughs> We're doing something wrong, apparently. Wow! It's all this Give good good food. Here, have yeah. a cigarette. Uh, what are you working on, Tammy? Laser pointers, right? How yes. much fun is it to take your laser pointer and slide it all over the room and watch your dog go? crazy oh i'll do that with the cat and the dog and even Mm -hmm. sometimes i'll have judy just uh flash the little thing around and i'll chase it around too i bet you do and that (laughs) that could explain a lot because you may actually be going crazy because of the laser pointer yep are you saying that maybe these aren't the best toys is that what you're going to be telling us maybe not everything in moderation, nothing in excess. Let me leave it right there for the moment. Okay. Also on the way, I understand that Match.com and uh, what is it, Petco <laughs> or PetSmart, one of those. PetSmart, yeah. They've teamed yeah. up and uh, they're, uh-huh. what are they, matching uh, people with pets together? Yep. They, they are having mixers all over the country this summer. And you can't get to this mixer unless you love your pets. You're actually going to go there looking not just for a great date, but for a great date who loves pets. How perfect is that? Stick around. Tammy will tell you about that. Just an incredible show. I mean, I'm excited. Aren't you excited? I'm, I'm very excited. excited. I don't have to tell you if you have a Yorkshire, Terrier, or Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, please check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. Great little guardian's manuals. And uh, information over at the website at animalradio.com. Hey, let's go to the phones and talk to you right now for Dr. Debbie, dog trainer Alan Cable, or dog father Joey Villani. Let's go to Liliana. Hey, Liliana. How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Where do you live? Where are you calling from? Sherman Oaks. Sherman, the the L.A. area. A lot of calls from the L.A. area today. What's going on? How can we help you? Well, we uh, we adopted a, uh, we rescued a German Shepherd mix. She's three years old. And this was back in uh, 2011. But uh, the condition that she has is Demodex, Mm mange, 
And, uh, I mean, it, I don't know if it's seasonal, but she has a lot of the flare-ups where it, it looks like it eats her skin. Uh, mm, okay. She's had several, many, many, many skin scrapes before and after uh, treatments, like the, she's also had the mitoban, the oral ivermectin, the antibiotics, the inject, what is it, inject Batril or something like that, the injection okay. treatments. Okay. And that beta log too. Uh, I one time I did attempt also the alternative of going uh, uh, with Cephalex uh, or um, treatments like uh, 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 alternative natural treatments, and mm-hmm. uh, nothing's happening. I don't know what to do. It's seasonal. It's depleting my um, financial situation. Mm, sure. But we love her to death. Okay. So Demodex, um, just for a little background information, Demodex, we kind of call this the red mange, uh, just because it kind of imparts a color of a greasy change on the skin surface for many pets. Um, Demodex is a mite, so it's microscopic. It lives in the hair follicles and in the oil glands. And um, typically, we see this mostly in puppies, but there are adult dogs that can have uh, recurrent cases of it. And some can have some seasonality to it, but in in those cases, many of them, there's something else underlying that's exacerbating their mites. So, for instance, at this time of the year, seasonal allergies really are a problem. Also, flea allergies can be a big problem. So if you have a pet with Demodex and they're prone to that, you throw in these other skin diseases, and they're going to have a resurfacing of their demodicosis. So that being said, some of the therapies you've mentioned really are not for demodex mites. They're for the secondary infections that come along or for allergies. So if we only had demodex and only demodex to deal with things like the ivermectin, and we use that for uh, a daily use for really for three to four months continual use, sometimes if we're not using it um, long enough or for um, uh, at the high enough doses and working our way up to that high dose, um, we may not get efficacy. Um, so we may have a reoccurrence of the infection because we really never got rid of it. Um, but for many pets, I do find it's these other things that make things worse. So controlling the skin infection, um, using medicated shampoos, uh, many times that are benzoyl peroxide that helps to cleanse the hair follicles and helps to control some of that infection in the skin. So those are really, a lot of what you've done is important, but I think you have to keep that full court press on. Um, You can't let up with a dog with Demodex. Um, And in some dogs, I will use what we call pulse therapy, ivermectin. So we get them through their course, their treatment. We're feeling good. We know we're going to have a reoccurrence again in a month or two. So maybe we use um, ivermectin on a long-term basis, on an infrequent basis. So that may be possible. Do, do, with the ivermectin, uh, I wouldn't mind doing the treatment like that, but do we need to continually uh, request refills from the veterinarian? Or Generally. Or can it be done just directly with a pharmacy once uh, something has been already established? Well, the problem with the ivermectin therapy is that, um, and, and I should say that there are certain dogs we cannot use this drug. So in the herding breeds, um, it, it can have a fatal outcome. So because we do have to walk up to a certain dose and just monitoring the pets with that, um, we I would have a veterinarian involved. This is not something you want to be doing on your own. 
Um, and also, just because, as I mentioned, you know, if we're ignoring the fact that we have a yeast infection or a skin infection or we've got a um, seasonal allergy that's flaring up and you just keep throwing the ivermectin at your dog, you're not really helping. So um, as painful as it is, this is really a high-maintenance type condition that, that you do have to work really closely with your vet on. Um, and with the seasonality, one thing you might think about is getting ahead of that. If you know what time of the year this gets worse, address that in advance. So Maybe we need to look at allergy testing or a hypoallergenic food diet. Um, that might be something we can do to try to better control those other factors that are leading to the Demodex outbreak. Um, so so it, it's kind of a, a... Go ahead. At this point, a dermatologist? Yeah, and if you're in an area there where there's a lot of good um, uh, specialty practices, so a veterinary dermatologist is not a bad idea at all. Um, and it's something that if you've gone through your veterinarian's treatment regimens and you feel you've done everything you can in that realm, um, certainly, and I'm sure your veterinarian would have a couple names in the area that uh, you can work with. Okay. Okay. Any rec- any uh, it's just a cost. I mean, we're sometimes on an average three to four hundred dollars by the time we're done with trying to deal with this. But um, is there any low cost places? for, you know, continuous, uh, since it's high maintenance, I mean, any recommendations? For something in the skin realm, I I don't know that I I can advise any resources there. There are some financial assistance um, programs for um, pets with diseases that um, are kind of more life-threatening, and um, there are some resources on the website or on the on the internet for that. I don't know that for because skin is is more of a chronic disease and it's not immediately life-threatening. I don't know how much they would cover on that. You could certainly investigate it, but this is the unfortunate thing. You have a special, a kid with a special health condition that is going to be special needs. Um, But I would tell you that one thing, um, when we do have Demodex mites, I do try to avoid steroids if we can, because that actually can make the mites worse. So if you're dealing with seasonal allergies, I really reserve and hold back those steroids. I I try to look for every other therapy possible because it will make things worse with those mites. Uh, Finally, can you be honest with me? Do they not have a long life? What, shepherds? Well, with this condition. Well, it, as far as it's not something that's immediately life-threatening. Now, there are dogs that have some kind of underlying health condition that may be contributing to why they're prone to a um, chronic mite infestation. So some of that type of thing. I'll often run blood work, um, urine tests, just to see if there's anything else that could be going on, if we have any hormone problems that make them prone to this. If so, you know, we can address that. But Demodex by itself doesn't necessarily shorten the life, but I can tell you financially it can be very taxing for folks um, with these pets that have chronic um, mm. chronic infestations. Well, thank you for your advice. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. 
Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. So many ways to reach out to the Animal Radio Dream Team. If you don't want to ask your questions on the toll-free line, you can also download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry and ask your questions directly from the app, as well as listen to the show and browse all the resources. And it's a free download. Uh, but right now, it's Sandy's turn. Hi, Sandy. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Where are you calling from? San Luis Obispo, California. Do you listen on KVEC? Yes. Oh, awesome. So what's going on? Um, well, I just adopted a dog from the pound. Um, my, I had two dogs, and one died, and the other one seemed like she wanted another dog. And so we'd been about a month going to the pound and um, didn't get one dog. It wasn't the right dog. And then I got a second dog. The dog seemed to get along fine. But the the cat the dog is uh, maybe a little bit too much focused on the cats and possibly the neighbor's goats. And we tested her at the pound, and, you know, she looked at the cat, and then the cat jumped up on the counter, and she walked off and looked at something else. And she did that two different times. But um, she seems to be really focused on my cat, and I can't get her unfocused, so it's a little bit worrisome. I just need to know what I should do to correct that behavior before she gets in trouble. Hey, what kind of a dog is this? They say it's an Anatolian Shepherd, uh, and it may be it has those double dew claws, and it probably has lab or something else in it. So when you say your dog is focused on your cat, what does that mean? First of all, thanks for your question. Thanks for calling. Thanks for caring. What do you mean focused on your cat? She uh, stares at it. Um, she hunches down a little she wants to go after it. If she wasn't on leash, she would be ch- definitely chasing it. And I, I tried, you know, making a noise or stepping in front of her or touching her backside to, um, you know, distract her. But none of that works. And um, yeah, you know, the Anatolian Shepherd is an interesting dog. It's been around for thousands of years. It's a working dog, and it was a dog that was originally bred to protect livestock. And so I understand the interest that your dog might have in other animals. Plus, you've got a lab in there, too, and they're kind of bred to uh, pursue and hunt and chase. And uh, they get very, very stimulated by fast movement. They just want to chase. So you got a dog that requires a lot of exercise every day, a dog that you've got to tire out every day. And that you're going to have to work with because the dog is bred to protect livestock, protect. And uh, that's why with an Anatolian Shepherd, you should never leave a dog like that alone with kids because uh, the dog might interpret, let's say you got two little boys fighting and wrestling, dog might interpret the uh, visiting little boy as a threat to his uh, his pack or his pack member and step in to protect. They, they can misinterpret, so it's real important to never leave a big, strong dog like that alone with kids. So with your dog... 
You've got to exercise them every single day to really tire them out. And then you've got to start bringing them around your cat, and you've got to check yourself. I call it checking yourself before you wreck yourself. It's kind of like whenever the dog is going near the cat, you'll find yourself getting nervous and you're freaking out a little bit. You've got to get rid of that. you just got to take a deep breath, walk over and poke him in the neck, give him a treat when he... Uh, when he chooses not to pay attention to the cat, just give him a treat. And, and, you know, spend a lot of time with the cat outside or inside, depending on which cat, which kind of cat that is, and put the dog on the other side of glass so that the dog can see the cat a lot but can't really get to the cat and, and starts to ignore the cat. And it'll happen over time. People want, like, a real quick fix, an instant fix. But what I encourage you to do is be creative with your solutions because you're there with your dog, and you're going to find techniques and ways to uh, teach your dog what you want that I can't because I'm not there, and, and it's creative. You can make up different methods with each dog. You find what works, and you experiment a little, and you're like, oh, when I, when I flick my wrist and he's on a leash, it distracts him, and I can move him into something else, and then I can give him a treat when he's onto that something else. That seems to be working. And so you are kind of like a student of your dog because nobody's going to know your dog better than you are. So you got to study him, watch him, try not to get emotionally involved, try to look at it analytically like you're doing, be logical about it it and just be patient because it takes time when you got a dog that's bred to uh, protect livestock and you got another breed mixed in that's bred to kind of hunt and chase it's going to take time to let the dog know no i don't want you to do that anymore you don't need to do that i'll take care of that you just need to play exercise and uh, i'm going to tire you out and uh, every time i find you doing something that i don't want you to do i'm going to i'm going to find a way to correct it and move your mind forward and reward you when you're doing what i want does, that, does any of that make sense? Uh, yes, it, it all makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I've only had her two days, actually, now. Um, but, yeah. And we worked on, uh, she didn't know off, so we've been working on off so that I can say that when she's focused on the cat. But. You, know, you know, a good thing to do is to uh, basically, you know, have somebody, after you tire her out real good, put her on a leash. Uh, you can hold the leash and have somebody bring the cat around her and then turn around abruptly the opposite direction and walk swiftly away every time the cat gets close. And as she moves away, you go, good dog. So you're teaching her when the cat's around, just walk away. And good dog for doing that. And what people need to know is that, uh, you know, people spend a lot of time buying cars. They'll read all about the car. They'll research the car. They'll find out about gas mileage, engine size, seat colors, all that stuff. But they'll just get a dog and bring it home without reading about what that breed uh, was bred to do, you know. So we know that an Anatolian Shepherd is bred to protect herds of animals. And we know that a lab is bred to hunt and chase. So we've got to decide in our minds, well, is that the dog I want to bring home? You know, because I've got a cat. So what am I going to have to do to introduce these two? And how do I introduce these two? Yeah. Yeah, the, the cat is, um, is freaky. He thinks everything is out to get him. So he sort of makes himself a target. <laughs> Well, you know, the fast movement, whenever an animal starts to move fast, it's going to pique your dog's interest. So that's why it's important you tire him out every day. I mean, you exhaust him. Take a ride on a bicycle with him next to you and make him run until he's tired and exhausted. And he will be a lot less apt to want to chase your cat. Thanks for your call, Sandy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. 
Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow. If you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All American Dish right now. 800 380 4452. 800 380 4452. 800 380 4452. That's 800 380 4452. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Now, this warning's been all over the internet recently. A caution not to let your dogs drink ice water during hot weather because it could cause dangerous bloating or even kill them. Well, not so, says the ASPCA's Animal Poison Control Center. In fact, the medical director there, Dr. Tina Wismer, says after a dog or cat has an anesthetic procedure, they don't allow them to drink water, but they do let them lick ice. And some behaviorists even recommend freezing toys or treats in ice for dogs to chew on. Now, there are some problems associated with dogs and ice, like the potential dental damage and the dog could get the ice lodged in its throat. So the doctor says you should be mindful of your dog's ability to chew ice before you give it to him or her. But giving your dog ice in hot weather, apparently that is an Internet myth. Health insurance, it's a big important benefit for all of us at work. Now one in every three Fortune 500 companies is also offering pet insurance. Those companies include Chipotle, Mexican Grill, Delta Airlines, Microsoft, T-Mobile, UPS, a whole bunch of them. Some of the companies are even paying 100% of their employees' pet insurance premiums. All right, we already know that some dogs can sense when people are about to have a seizure or a diabetic episode. Now research done at the University of Pittsburgh suggests some dogs may be able to warn their guardians about impending migraines. Doctors say there are psychological and behavioral changes that happen several hours before the onset of an actual headache, and that may be what the dogs are keying in on. 54% of the 1,027 migraine sufferers in this study said they noticed changes in their pet's behavior during or preceding the pain. Nearly 60% said their dog had alerted them an hour or two in advance. The most common alerting behavior was when the dog started to pay particularly close attention to its person. Other dogs licked, herded, chased their own tails, or stared incessantly at their guardians, generally in time for the person to take medication in time to ward off or to at least minimize the migraine. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Animal Radio, and we're celebrating our connection with our pets with another hero person, just probably my favorite segment here on Animal Radio right now. And today, this is exciting because I love this guy. He's a great author, a thriller author. You like thrillers? Judy, I know you'll read a thriller. I do. I have, in fact, I have a copy of his book right here. I haven't cracked it yet, but I'm getting ready to. Stan Yoakum joins us. Hi, Stan. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Splendid. I wanted to talk about what you're doing with Canine Companions for Independence. And okay. 
Canine Companions for Independence, for those of you that don't know about them, and correct me if I'm wrong, they train animals for, or therapy animals or service dogs, is that correct? Yes, they like to refer to them as assistance dogs. And, and what, are the, what is the primary job of these dogs? Okay, they typically help people that are in wheelchairs or have difficulty walking. They also help in the hearing. I get the question all, all the time, is this a seeing-eye dog? But they do not train dogs in, in that area at all. So, How long does a dog usually spend at Canine Companions to learn what it needs to learn to go out and help somebody? All right, well, you know, I, it kind of surprises people. We usually get the dog when it's seven weeks old. Wow. And as volunteers, they stay with us for 18 months somewhere between 16 and 20 months, depending upon when their graduation cycle is. And in that time, we will teach the dog over 35 commands and try to basically socialize them into the environments that they're going to be involved in when they are assigned over to an individual. Sure. Then uh, we go, we take them back to the organization through a matriculation process where they are then turned back into canine companions, and they go through six more months of intensive training with their instructors there, and they learn probably 15 more commands. So by the time they're all done, they have over 50 commands that they will be able to immediately respond to when given the command to do so. And it's a very difficult time for all of us volunteers who have had these puppies for 18 months and then to walk back in and train, I mean, and turn them in. But uh, we see what these these animals can do for the graduates that receive the dogs, and it is absolutely wonderful. Mm. So we've all learned to accept that. (laughs) How does Stan Yoakum fit into this puzzle here? What are you doing? Well, it was, uh, well, I am an author, but my wife, oh, probably five years ago, suggested that we do this. And I was kind of hesitant (laughs) at first because... Everybody asks me the questions, how can you give these dogs up? Well, that's what I thought. But as I said, I I saw some graduates, and I said, if I cannot do this and help somebody, then that's not a real good uh, statement about what I'm willing to do for people. But um, I have been an author since 2000, and my uh, publicist, she was asking me about all the different things I did. And I said, well, I do volunteer and train service dogs. Well, she got all excited about that. And to tell you the truth, in fact, I've written a couple of blogs on my website about, geez, you know, I, I really enjoy this writing, and that's, it's doing well, but I'm getting all sorts of attention for the what I do for dogs. And uh, it seems like a lot of people want to hear about it and thank me. Every time I'm out, you know, thank you for doing this. This is so wonderful. So, And I absolutely enjoy it so much. It's it's the best thing I think I've ever done in my life. So When you give these dogs up, do you ever see them again? I, uh, my family, my, my wife is named Elaine. We are very fortunate because our first dog was given away. And in fact, I'm flying up to Salt Lake City tomorrow to pick her up for over a month. And oh, that wow. Is, yeah. And that is just because of the relationship we have with the family who the dog went to. It went to uh, their daughter, their youngest daughter, who's restricted into a wheelchair, and sh- they are traveling over to London, and so they asked us if we would take care of her. Now, this is the third time we have had her back. Unfortunately, there are a lot of the volunteer trainers that never see the dog again uh, and really don't get much contact with the recipients of the dog 
after the first few months. Uh-huh. And I actually went back to Canine Companions and asked them about that because that is a subject matter that all of us volunteers talk about. And I have stopped talking or telling them how many how often I get to see my other <laughs> first dog because they don't. Uh-huh. But uh, Canine Companions made a very poignant point. They said, we do not want to infringe on them because we don't want to expand their family because they're dealing with issues that none sure. of us really understand. And therefore, we don't want to have them say, okay, now this is the person that's trained your dog, so please keep in touch with them and send them pictures and all that. And I said, I, I can understand that now. So I am very fortunate because I loved that dog. Uh, she was my first one, and I get to see her, oh, once or twice a year for period of time well let me let me introduce you to tammy over here tammy is a foster <laughs> failure and yeah yeah yes. okay <laughs> yes it's uh it's tough to let go of an animal that you develop a, a great bond with but knowing it must be very gratifying knowing that it's going to help somebody can anybody do this you know everyone asks me that boy i would love to do that and they say is it difficult and i said it takes a tremendous amount of time and it's the dog is with you all the time they go every place with us we take them i mean we wake up in the morning with them from that point on they go out and i tell people they go to our grocery stores department stores restaurants hotels we've had them in all forms of traveling airplanes boats buses everything so it is very much like a little child except it happens over a shorter period of time and, but it's, it takes a tremendous amount of attention. I tell people it's pretty hard for one person to do it. I have a family, so we all share in this and get little breaks from each other, you know, from the process of doing that. But it does take some time if you want to train your dog properly. You also have to watch their weight and everything. It's, it's, Canine Companions is very demanding on do not let these dogs get overweight and exercise them and do everything with them. So. Yeah, we had uh, Dean Kuntz on the show several times. He's been he's big with the Canine Companions oh. for Independence. I know he had Trixie, who was a reject, and now I believe his new dog is called Anna. Have you ever met him? I have talked to him, and we've conversed because we're both authors. And yes, I I've heard about him. He is a wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, the last time I saw him, he came into the graduation, and he came up and he says, you know, this is this is kind of strange, but I got up this morning, and Annie had written a check Uh-oh. to the dog. The dog. companions, and uh-huh. you can't believe the amount of the check. But he go- and so I thought, well, why did you do this? Well, anyway, I thought I'd bring it on down here and give to you. Well, the place was just, he is very humorous. <laughs> I mean, he has everybody laughing because of what Annie did. <laughs> You know, Annie is his new dog after Trixie passed away, and when he got Annie, he had no idea that Trixie and Anna were related. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So actually, Anna's grandfather is Trixie's litter mate. And apparently has opposable thumbs. Uh, yeah, it's very, you can write those checks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I heard it was some crazy check, too. It was like... Uh, oh, 750000 Yeah, just a couple Oh, just, dollars. yeah, just, just, just... You know, a little bit. Pocket change. Drop in a bucket. Yes. Yeah. Stan Yoakum, our Hero of the Week, volunteering his time for Canine Companions for Independence. Thanks so much for joining us today. No problem. I really enjoyed it. Take care Thank of yourself. <laughs> if you want to nominate someone for this, please, your voice at animalradio.com. How do I become a hero of the week?
All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. It's Animal Radio. In just a couple of minutes, Stanley Corinne, Dr. Stanley Corinne is back. Gotta love this guy. He's going to be talking about the blacklisted breeds. Uh, these uh, breeds that are companies. yeah the insurance yeah. companies are like raising their premiums if you have they a certain breed they won't insure you at all oh is that it yeah they're well, blacklisted you can't get insurance if you have these type of breeds well our good friend stanley corinne will tell us more in just a couple of minutes tammy what are you working on in the newsroom there well you know we all worry about what kind of benefits we get at work you know like health insurance or disability or all that Some of the fortune 500 companies are now offering a different kind of health insurance not for you but for your pet. I love it. They even pay the premiums. So people are starting to understand how important these pets are to, to keeping us all happy and healthy. We they, need to talk to HR. Yeah. I was going to say they don't do that here no, at Animal no. Radio. Not at all. Get a memo. Quick. I couldn't afford it. Okay, let's hit the phones. It's all about you right now. Hi, Richard. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Very good. I understand you want to talk to Alan Cable. Just had a question. What is your problem, Richard? Richard, tell me your problem. I'm here for you. I love you, buddy. Okay, uh, yes, I have. My mother has a small little dog. Uh, I'm not, it's not a photo, but it's a mixed photo with a, another type. I'm not sure which. But, anyways, you know how you call dogs when they see you, they haven't seen you for a while. They um, usually run up to you. Well, this dog usually does the opposite. It shies away from you. Just wondering if there's any way to break that. Does the dog do it to everybody or just you, buddy? Everybody, except. Everybody. Uh, most likely her. Except your mom. And how long has your mom had the dog? Since a puppy, or did she did she rescue it? Uh, the landlord gave it to her. It was about maybe about four months old. See, Richard, uh, basically, it's it's pretty. This one's pretty simple. The dog's just afraid, afraid of people, and usually that happens when dogs aren't socialized properly during that critical period when they're little puppies. So the dog attempts to flee from people because it's afraid, and that's one of the techniques that dogs use when they're afraid. They run away. Sometimes they show their teeth or they growl or they become very still, and and that's how you know the dog's afraid. And to stop a dog uh, from being afraid of people, you basically have to make the dog understand that you know, you're know you no threat and that you're actually a positive thing. So it, it might be a good idea when you walk in the house, to it, when the dog's afraid, have your mom remove the dog to another place, and then you just sit in a chair, and, and your mom lets the dog out, and every time the dog goes a little bit closer to you to investigate, your mom goes, good dog, and gives the dog a treat. And, yeah. and the dog starts to associate you and other people with treats instead of being fearful that you're going to do something. It's so funny, Richard. Some dogs, people think that dogs have been abused when they're afraid of people, but some dogs are just afraid of people that wear hats or people that have beards or uh, people that are women, people that are men. When I was helping out in Columbus, Ohio at the at the training center for the service dogs, uh, one dog failed because he was afraid of the Walmart happy face. I mean, he passed everything. <laughs> he'd, he'd learned how, yeah, we couldn't walk him over a Walmart 
happy face in the story. He was just fearful of that. Those so things freak th- me out, too. i got to be real honest with you. Whenever <laughs> I say, That's why I don't shop there is because those smiley faces. Isn't that something? I mean, you just never know what a dog's going to be afraid of, but you can tell when they are afraid. And this dog just sounds like she's very afraid and fearful. So you kind of have well, to slowly be patient with her and, and get her to the point where she associates people besides your mother with pleasure. Well, I should have said that it's a male dog, and I've actually known it for a little while. He's always excited to see me, but it wags its tail. It's always excited, but when I call see, it... That's a mis- that's a mistake, Richard. It, it appears to you that the dog is excited to see you, but what what you're really seeing is anxiety and fear. A lot of people mistake that for, for uh, oh, the dog's happy. Just because a dog is wagging its tail and going kooky, it doesn't mean they're happy to see you. What it actually means is they're afraid of you because you're coming into their, you're coming onto their territory and they're trying to deal with their fear. That's why she turns around and runs away. All right. And as soon as I sit in its safe place, then it comes over to me and wants me to pet it and all that. But the intro stuff is always run away and then run to its safe spot. And then she's it- fearful. She's fearful and she's trying to protect your mother. Your mother's probably not a strong, dominant pack leader. And the dog oh. just thinks it has to protect your mom. It's afraid of everybody. And then once yeah. you sit down, you know, and, and, and it becomes mellow, she can kind of investigate you. But she's still afraid of you, buddy. Okay, that sounds like it is. That's the case. So, uh... Yeah, thank you very much. Yep, just be calm. Have your mother be calm and act like the dog isn't there. Just walk in, sit down, pay no attention to the dog. And when your mom knows you're coming over, it'd be a good idea just to put her in another room so that she can be introduced to you after you're inside the house. And that goes okay. for everybody. Okay. Is that the dog and the mom? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question, Joey. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Richard. This is a cute story. Comes out of uh Alaska, a little seven-month-old Maltese puppy owned by Bonnie and Brad Gruen, really likes to retrieve. And in fact, on Monday, Lady Bunny came home with an unexpected prize, a wallet. A wallet that the owner didn't even know had been missing. In fact, the puppy brought home the wallet belonging to Rudy Vonda. And this guy, Rudy, is apparently a sanitation worker. The Gruens got on the phone and called uh, him and said, hey, we got your wallet. He said he didn't even know it was missing. When the guy went to go pick up his wallet, he was figuring he'd see like a German Shepherd or a Labrador, you know, something that retrieved and didn't expect a little Maltese. Good story. Ends well in the wallet uh, back in the right hands. But I have a question. Yes. Did the Maltese pickpocket? See, he didn't even know it was missing. Maybe. We've been hearing Perhaps. stories today about these uh, opposable thumbs that these dogs seem to be growing. Perhaps. Thumbs, <laughs> how? What? Disposable thumbs. Disposable thumbs. Not opposable. Disposable. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Hi, this is Paul Rogers and Cynthia Rogers on Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right, meow. (laughs) People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy. No fillers, just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. 
Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. This hour on Animal Radio, we'll find out why the laser pointer may be not so good for your animal may not be the best toy for your dog or for your cat. Tammy Trujillo will report on that as well as a brand new uh, partnership between PetSmart and Match.com. They're putting together mixers so that you can take your dog and go mix and meet somebody. (laughs) She'll have all the details on that. Also this hour, Dr. Stanley Corinne will be joining us talking about those blacklisted breeds that insurance companies are blacklisting uh, simply because they've been in the news before. That's in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. So let's go to the phones. Lindsay... How are you doing, Hi, Lindsay? What's, I'm good. What's going How on in you your world? Oh, um, everything's great, except, um, well, my city recently um, allowed fireworks, and we're kind of having a problem with the illegal ones that are like Disneyland, oh. and my dog does not like it at all. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so, um, well, like, I would take her out. We'd usually go for walks in the early evening because it's cooler, and um, so I went out one night, and then... Some of the neighbors started lighting them up, and that's just triggered it back to, like, last year. And now she won't go for walks at all in the evening. And almost every night they're out there doing their fireworks, and she shakes, and she wants to hide in the corner. Like, we found her. She wanted to hide behind the toilet one time. We're like, don't go there. And we tried to give her a Benadryl to calm her down, but it it doesn't really work. She's still, like, alert and, and wants to, like, she doesn't know what's really going on. Right. And they bother her. And, you know, I have a lot of people that will use Benadryl to kind of quiet their dogs, but it really doesn't help them cope with any kind of fear or anxiety. It's just kind of sedating them as a side effect. So um, I would certainly, and I'm sure Ellen's going to have some behavioral things to add. I got lots of stuff. (laughs) But I'm going to go ahead and put a couple thoughts out there just about some of the things that in my hands that I use to kind of help people as they're either dealing with the noise as it's there, whether it's Uh fireworks or other noises like the thunderstorm phobias, Right. Um, but also to kind of help them cope maybe as we're getting into that season. Cause it does, it seems like it fireworks last, you know, here in Vegas, you know, we have a beginning of the year, uh, new years or around yeah. every big opening of any kind of major thing going mm-hmm. on. Plus the 4th of July. So, um, I, I do think that this is something a lot of folks we need to really examine and how we can better help our pets. So for yeah. me, if I have a pet with an established anxiety with noise um we have to deal with that and and make sure the pet is safe and comfortable Mm -hmm. um so some different things i like to use will be the thunder shirt which is a a, an anti-anxiety wrap as a Mm firm-fitting kind of jacket with velcro and it works similar to what um they use for children who have um autism so Mm -hmm. and that i've used in my own pup and it it really it takes it helps you know it's not a magic cure by itself but it can be one other tool we can add in and and you put that on before the noise begins that's that's the key you want to have it on board beforehand Um, but I'll use that along with things like dog pheromones, which are the calming um, scent hormones that don't mm-hmm. have any odor. Um, put that on in, in a collar format, preferably where it goes with your pet. And, and that's just kind of a natural way to kind of help him calm down. 
Um, but there's yeah. even more things that we can go beyond that. And uh, awesome. another commonly used thing um, that, that I've been using a lot in my practice is actually an amino acid called L-theanine. And it's it's out of the extract of green tea, and it works mm-hmm. naturally to help calm pets. And, uh, and you can use this with the other therapies as well. So those are kind of some of the natural things. And then, you know, tranquilizers are kind of those last resort things. And I try to yeah. reserve those for pets that are destructive, um, hurt themselves, try to escape, you know, maybe yeah, not necessarily the quiver. She just pants a lot, and she wants me to hold her, and she shivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there, there are definitely some tranquilizers we can use, and I tend to prefer the benzodiazepines, so kind of in the family of the Valium type things, if we know there's going to be a noise. Um, uh-huh. Alprazolam is one of my favorites for that purpose. Um, so, so those are some of the things that we can tackle for that immediate problem, but I'm, you know, I would definitely rather see dogs raised around these noises and getting them acclimated to that when they're very young and puppies. I've already had fireworks going off around my four-month-old puppy just uh-huh. to get her used to that and, you know, yeah. feeding them treats and all that kind of stuff during the noise. But uh, I'll let Alan... Good job. That's the way to do it, girlfriend. Hey, Lindsay. Uh Uh-huh. How are you? I'm I'm good. I I want my dog to be good, too. (laughs) You sound uptight. You sound tense. And and I can tell, Lindsay, that when the fireworks go off or you sense the fireworks are going to go off, you change your behavior. And many people feel compelled to baby their dogs when their dogs are scared or are showing signs of fear. They pet them more. They cuddle them. They talk to them in soft little baby voices and stuff like that. But in reality, Lindsay, what that does is reinforce the fear. It does not help your dog to pick your dog up when there are fireworks. Now, one of the things I love to do is I, you know, the Internet's a wonderful tool. You go on there, you get the sound of fireworks on the Internet, and you turn your computer up when you know the Uh 4th of July is coming. And you start at a low volume, and when the fireworks come on, if your dog doesn't show any signs of fear, you give the dog a treat right then and there. And then uh-huh. you start incrementally turning the sound up over time to where there's fireworks going off in your house. But your dog is like, <laughs> I don't care. Who cares? I don't yeah. care. And then what you do is you take your dog to do fun things during the fireworks. So mm-hmm. if your dog wants to hide behind the toilet, let him do it. You know, don't push your dog past his comfort zone. Let him hide yeah. wherever he wants because he's freaked out. What you've got to do is change the association to the fireworks, right. meaning right now there's a fear association. And uh-huh. the wonderful thing about humans and dogs is you know when the fireworks are coming. Your dog has absolutely no idea. Uh-huh. So using the recorded fireworks is a great way for you to introduce slowly the sound of the fireworks to your dog when at the same time doing fun stuff like playing with your dog during the fireworks sound, giving mm-hmm. your dog treats during the fireworks sound, and then taking nice fun walks during the fireworks sound. But what you don't want to do is talk to your dog and say, oh, it's going to be okay, little lassie. Don't be afraid, girl. It's going to be all right. Because what yeah. that does is make your dog twice as afraid. It's uh-huh. it's showing your dog, yeah, this is scary stuff. She's scared, too. And if she's scared, I should be scared. Uh-huh. So you've got you've got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You've got to calm yourself down, Lindsay girl. You've got to take a deep breath and tell yourself, hey, you know what? My dog is scared, but it's not going to hurt her to be afraid. I've got to be right. strong and calm and teach her there's nothing to be afraid of. And I'm going to look for ways to do that creatively. And if nothing else works, well, then sometimes you've got to go see Dr. Debbie and you've got to come up with the dog tranks. But most right. of the time, I've had real good experience slowly over time keeping a dog's mind moving forward away from the fireworks, taking his mind off the fireworks. Mm -hmm. So when the fireworks start, you see your dog peek, and he's, like, scared. Give him a poke. Poke him with your fingers on the side of the neck. Say, hey, and throw a ball. 
redirect okay. his mind constantly, redirect his mind away from the fireworks to fun stuff, and eventually the fireworks will have no effect on your dog at all. Eventually. Does that make sense, Lens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I would give her, have you heard of the Frosty Paws ice cream? Oh, yeah. I would I would give her that, and it would take her mind off of it because it takes her a while to, to eat it. <laughs> so it would, Yeah. Beautiful. Um, That's yeah. beautiful, Lindsay. That's beautiful. And then slap a leash on her while she's eating it and take her for a fun walk in the backyard and throw her ball and have a good old time, but don't be afraid. If you see her get afraid, redirect your mind. Go, hey, hey, get the ball, get the ball, get the ball, get the ball, get the ball. Yeah. Redirect your mind. And just don't be afraid for her. Don't pick her up. Don't baby her. Don't uh-huh. cuddle her. Okay. okay. Be strong. Be a strong, <laughs> calm, compassionate, trustworthy leader. And she yeah. will eventually lose a lot of that nervousness and fear. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, Linz. You sound good, Linz. <laughs> Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Thanks for I'll calling. Try it. Judy, you were just telling me about a caller you got off the phone with who called last week with uh, a cat that she thought she was going to have to euthanize. What was that about? Yeah, that was uh, Roberta talked to Debbie, and a cat had, I think it was liver disease, and Mm, it was hiding, and she was having a hard time giving it medications, and she was going to... she was really close to euthanizing it, and right. she was headed on a special prescription uh, science diet food. It wasn't eating, so she made one last-ditch effort. She went and bought some junky cat food at the store. At your suggestion. Yes, and she mm-hmm. said the cat is just voracious appetite. It's oh, eating. Wonderful. She said that she's uh, not gaining weight yet, but she's not losing weight. And, you know, she said that uh, she's not, you know, even thinking about euthanasia. You've done good, Dr. She Debbie. wanted to call us and tell us. That is a wonderful update. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a reason that, you know, we veterinarians often want a dog or a cat to eat a certain prescription diet, and it's the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. But what sometimes we need is just nutrition, just good, just nutrition of some form. And, and yeah. that's, I think, her case. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Alan Cable. You know, you can train your dog to do almost anything. You probably heard that story of the guy who trained the dogs to drive a car in Australia. What a good boy. Pebble here knows how to ring a doorbell. What a good boy. His owner invented this doggy doorbell that's easy for a dog to push on so that Pebble could let everybody know when he needs to go out. You can put a treat inside the space. That's pretty darn smart because that would get Pebble to jump up and push on it anyway. That's how the guy in Australia taught his dogs one step at a time how to drive a car. You could do the same thing with a cowbell on your door to train your dog to let you know when he needs to go outside or wants to go outside. You know, instead of scratching on the door or being destructive. You start by getting your dog ready to learn. You want your dog to be in a calm state of mind, not all excited and agitated. They can't learn when they're like that. You can actually use treats to mellow your dog out too. You can use treats and rewards for everything. But the best way to calm your dog is to tire him out before you try to train him. Make him run. Time to your bicycle and take a ride. Take a jog. Take a long, brisk walk. Play some fetch with a ball or his favorite toy if he likes to chase and bring things back. You're actually training him when you play with him. When he brings it back to you, you give him a treat. Say good Good boy. Once he's tired out, bring him in the house. Put him in his crate for about 15, 20 minutes. Then calmly take him out, and he'll be ready to pay attention and learn. Now remember, you want to teach your dog one
one thing at a time. And it might take a couple of days or weeks before he masters the one thing that you're trying to teach him. So if you wanted to teach him to let you know when he needs to go out by hitting the bell on the door, you would first start by getting him to actually jump up on the door. You can do this by prodding him to jump or maybe just hold the treat against the door so that he jumps up to get it. And you'd repeat that over and over until you can get him to do it without a treat. Then maybe give him the treat after he does it or just say good boy when he does it. You could teach your dog to turn lights on and off, even to bring you the phone. When you try to teach your dog something, look at it from his point of view and think about whether or not you're being clear in what you want him to do so that he understands. Remember, good boy. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Let's uh, head back to the phones and we go to Elsa. Hi, Elsa. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, I have an 11-year-old beagle. It's a male. And I've noticed that, you know, every time this year, the season of this, you know, this time of the year, he -hmm. started, you know, scratching and licking his tail until some, you know, most of the time he loses the hair on the tail. And also, mm-hmm. he loves to lick, you know, on his paws. And okay, he yeah. paces. He paces in the house. So okay. I'm just wondering. I've been taking him to the vet, and he was getting, you know, different shots, you know, for the allergy. And then mm-hmm. he was put on prednisone. But is there any alternative? Because, you know, every time, I, I don't want to, I'm a registered nurse, okay? I can, I don't know how to take care of animals. I can take care of patients, but not the animals. <laughs> so, you know, I'm scared of the steroids. So Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, is there any alternative besides the medication? What will I do? Yeah, well, there's a lot of alternatives, and a lot depends on what type of approach you want to have. So there are some clients that that really want the relief and the quick relief. And for those, we might have a different approach than if we're looking for more long-term term strategy. Because as you know, as a nurse, we can't cure allergies. We're just yeah. treating the symptoms of those effects. Yeah, I know. So if yeah. we want to get to the root of the allergy, there are things we can do to kind of get ahead of that. And that might be involving allergy testing. It may involve uh, specialized um, hypoallergenic diets. We can do allergen okay, therapy. Diet, you know, he's on WD. Mm-hmm. Diet, you know, uh, and uh, that's all he gets, you know, I mix it with wet and dry. Yeah, that's all he gets. And, and definitely WD yeah. is a prescription diet, which is high fiber for a lot of other indications. It's not really an allergy food. So if we can't go in that direction, you know, these are different things. We'll, you'd have to decide with your veterinarian because if we want to get to kind of the root of things, we can do some different medications at a little bit more long-term strategy. Cyclosporine okay. we do use for pets with allergies. It's a little bit more pricey, um, but it can be very effective what for a good proportion of... Cyclosporine. Cycloprof. Is that uh, it comes in pills? Um, it's usually in a capsule, um, but it does require some um, follow-up monitoring. So it's it's not necessarily that quick fix. So this is where I was kind of getting at. If, if you're more like you want kind of that quick fix, then the steroids may be more the line that we want to go to. But the important thing we need to recognize is allergies don't always come by themselves. We know that dogs that are allergic, they tend to have irritated skin, it gets abraded, they get secondary infections very commonly. And one of the big frustrations I find with a lot of pet 
pet owners is we try to throw allergy treatments at their dog's skin when they may have already some other concurrent problems going on, maybe a low-grade yeast infection or bacterial dermatitis or flea allergy. So we really do have to kind of personalize oh, this see. approach. Oh. So there isn't kind of that one uh, one thing that's all. Indoor, In- an in-house dog, you know, and he goes out to pee, he has to take care of one and two, you know, but the Understood. rest of the two, it, it stays in the house. He even sleeps with me, you know, in my mm, bed. Yeah. And you do know that doesn't mean he can't have fleas, though. Any animal that goes outside can I have fleas. Have <laughs> so it's still possible. Before I started, you know, I have two cats and I have two dogs in the house. Okay. So, so, and I have so, a cat that I just adopted, you know, he was, you know, it was a cat, you know. And maybe that's the one that has the flea bringing inside the house. Mm-hmm. It's very possible. So for me, I definitely would say making sure every pet in the household is receiving some kind of flea treatment. For some short-term things you can try, I do like using topical relief. And that may be something like a colloidal oatmeal shampoo once a week. Some dogs also benefit from a topical steroid. And, and my favorite uh, for those hard-to-manage cases is triamcinolone in a topical spray. So that can be helpful. But there's a lot of other things. You know, everyone kind of knows about Benadryl as an antihistamine. But there are other antihistamines that we can use, um, mm-hmm. hydroxazine, uh, Zyrtec, um, chlorpheniramine. So there's there's a lot of those out there. And if okay, one doesn't I work, I often... Okay. okay. Can I so buy if, that hydroxazine mm-hmm. without, you know, the prescription? Can I just go to the uh, animal, you know, hospital and get it? So well, you will need to you will need to get a prescription from your veterinarian, whether they oh, fill so it or I they need. write the prescription. So we do want to make sure that's given with the appropriate dosage and with the proper discussion, because I, I, I certainly wouldn't just advocate to start one without your veterinarian being involved. I um, see. But there are individual variations with antihistamines. So just because something like Benadryl doesn't work doesn't mean we shouldn't try something else. And um, I usually, for an antihistamine trial, I'll give it about a week to two weeks. And if we don't feel we're doing really well with one, we may try another and see how we do it. And one of the big things is that, you know, antihistamines don't work for every pet. And, um, you know, we may get maybe 50% improvement, and that would be considered a great success for about, I'd say, a quarter of the patients. Um, And I often will use that with a fatty acid because they do kind of have a combined synergistic effect. Um, So that might be something if you're not already, your pet's not already on a high-potency omega fatty acid, then that would be something to look at look at as well. And if you're in an area and your veterinarian is fortunate enough to get the new allergy medicine called Apoquel, um, that has been a wonderful um, itch relief for pets with allergic dermatitis. It is just really hard to get. It's expensive. And um, a lot of pets um, in my practice have found relief. It's just there's a shortage. So. I see. Okay. So I will mention that to my vet, you know, on my next visit. Okay. Well, there's a something about besides the, you know, the Benadryl. Yeah, uh, yeah. And if you're uncomfortable with the steroids, because you know, steroids aren't for everybody in every pet, and it is that kind of quick relief for many pets. But you know, make sure you do convey that that you're not looking for that. You want to try something different, and and they'll definitely work with you on that. I see. Because when he gets the shot, you know, it's only good for 24 hours. Then he started scratching again. Then mm-hmm. I have to start giving him that uh, prednisone five milligrams. You know, and. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm really, I, I'm, you know, he keeps ordering prednisone, and I don't want to give, you know, my dog too much, you know, prednisone, you know. Sure. It should, yeah. it should taper it also. Can I just get the same dose, you know, as, you know. 
So anyway, so I guess I will do that, you know, and uh, thank, I will mention that to my, to my vet. And thank you so much for your recommendations, you know, and I really appreciate that. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584-877-247-1584-877-247-1584. This is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Tammy Trujillo. You know, most dogs, they love to chase those laser pointers, but that actually could have some unintended consequences on your pet's psyche. Research out of Tufts University's Coming School of Veterinary Medicine says that the reason animals chase the laser pointer is instinctive. The laser pointer moves, therefore it needs to be chased. In fact, the continuous movement means that they can't stop chasing it because their prey drive has been triggered. Now, we all know they're never going to catch it, right? It's not really there. And that's where the big problem is. Dr. Nicholas Dodman says that if you use a laser pointer too often, your dog can get so obsessed with chasing the light that they develop behavior problems. Never getting to the point of actually catching the prey can drive the dog slightly nuts. And this is actually, it's serious stuff here. It's the same principle that applies with bomb or drug sniffing dogs as well as search and rescue dogs. And trainers have actually learned that there are psychological consequences when the animals don't find or catch what they're looking for. So handlers actually occasionally arrange for their animals to find targets as a way of keeping them emotionally balanced. Something to think about with the laser pointer. Pets, you know, they play a big part in making or breaking a relationship. A new survey called The Truth About Pets and Dating was recently done by PetSmart Charities and Match.com. 1,000 singles were interviewed. Among the findings, more than half of single men and women think it's attractive to adopt a pet from a shelter. 66% of men and women would not date somebody who didn't like pets. That's 100% for me. 70% of singles think their date's reaction to their pet is important. 66% of dog guardians would date a cat lover, while 97% of the cat guardians would date a dog lover. And 28% of single men would be turned off if a woman's pet would fit into her handbag. I wonder why anyone would care if their pet's fitting their um, girlfriend's purse or not. Well, because it's not... I I, I think it probably because he thinks she's going to take it everywhere with her or something, which to me would be fine. Yeah, I don't know. The, the yeah, image you too. get with the small pets, the ladies that have small pets, you think of Paris Hilton, you think of, uh, you know, it's got, no, you want a, you want a gal with a big, big dog, big, fun, hey, beach running dog. They don't fit in a purse, though. I got three that would fit in my purse. I yeah. got three of them. Come on. I got They're one. in there right now. My husband actually loves the little tiny ones because when he takes them out, 
we, we put him in a little stroller when we take him out like to Palm Springs. He gets so much attention from the ladies. He was he, He's like, why didn't I know about this when I was single? You get a little tiny dog, you put in a little tiny stroller, you get all the girls. Any dog will get the girls. Well, especially oh, well, yeah. a little one in a stroller, Hal. A in little a cute one in a little oh, stroller, right? I don't know about that. Little that chihuahua, little Yorkie. You, you, know what, you know what don't attract them, though? When they're in your girlfriend's purse. Peeking out, the, the girls, you know, they, the girls don't come around. Now, while all this is kind of fun and fascinating and interesting, what the two companies are doing with it is really a lot better. If you're single and ready to mingle, you can attend one of the pet-friendly mixers being hosted by PetSmart Charities and Match.com, and they are being held all over the country this summer. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Justin Silver from CBS's Dogs in the City here on Animal Radio, just reminding you to always stay new to your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Remember, you can download the Animal Radio app for free for uh, for uh, iPhone, Android, and uh, BlackBerry. Boy, I've been saying it so long, and for some reason, it just didn't come out there. It is a free download. You can ask the Dream Teams your question about, uh, well, well, you know, if it's a doctor question, Dr. Debbie's on the other side, or Alan Cable with your dog behavior questions, or dog father Joey Villani with your grooming questions. And you can also listen to the show anytime you want. You know, you get that urge, 2 in the morning, to get a little Animal Radio fix. Who's going to stop you? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You know who I'm really happy to welcome back? Always have fun with this guy, Dr. Stanley Corrin. Hi, how are you doing, Doc? Uh, doing fine. Well, that didn't. I didn't buy that. Oh, come didn't, on, man. Didn't really sell that there. <laughs> all right. I'm still fat and sassy. <laughs> <laughs> Does that work? That's more like it. Oh, we love it. So uh, we just heard about this last week where the insurance companies, homeowners insurance, are starting to blacklist breeds of dogs, not necessarily by how dangerous they are, but just, you know, if there's a media report, they may uh, blacklist the dog or increase the premiums. And you've done a little bit of research. What have you found? Well, um, usually in May, uh, the uh, insurance companies sort of, you know, that's when National Dog Bite um, uh, Week starts. Um, release their lists of the dogs, which are, you know, they say on their uninsurable list, but some of them call it, you know, excluded dog breeds. And uh, there's one company which just calls it the bad dog list. But anyway, um, and um, there's a lot of variability in these sorts of things. But uh, I found that uh, there were 14 breeds of dogs that seem to appear on virtually all of these lists. Hmm. And they really um, uh, seem to appear there uh, following some kind of uh, incident. Um, And, uh, for example, um, you know, virtually nobody uh, that that I know has run into a Pressa Canario. Um, A, A what? A Pressa Canario. No, I haven't. Okay. I've seen him. <laughs> it's a big 120-pound dog. But anyway, it appears on virtually uh, all lists. And the reason for this is because um, in uh, 2001, there was an incident uh, in which a woman was killed in her apartment uh, hallway uh, by two of these things. And uh, 
the person who who owned them is actually serving jail time now for that. Um, so the moment that that happened, uh, every list seemed to suddenly develop, you know, press of canarios <laughs> as part of the thing. Hmm. Um, the, uh, if you want, I, could, I can give yeah, you the 14. I'd like to hear the 14. Okay. Let's hear the 14. These are the 14 breeds that are blacklisted by insurance companies, and uh, Dr. Stanley Corrine is with us. Yeah, and it's pretty. They, they do this pretty much uh, in rank order. So first, uh, number one is pit bull terriers. Hmm. Number two is Staffordshire Terriers, then Rottweilers, German Shepherds, Pressa Canarios, Chow Chows, Doberman Pinchers, Akitas, Wolf Hybrids, Mastiffs, Cane Corsos, Great Danes, Alaskan Malamutes, and Siberian Huskies. Ooh. So wow. th- does that mean that means that these insurance companies they will not offer insurance to the to these people because they have these dogs, or will they offer it with increased premiums? Um, it, it really depends upon the specific insurance company. So, uh, for example, uh, uh, some of them will just simply not give you uh, the, um, um, you know, a, an insurance policy, a homeowner's policy. Some of them will give you the homeowner's policy but exclude any coverage for anything associated wow. with the dog. And some of them require um, a larger premium. And, you know, they're doing it to cover their bankroll because, sure. um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it turns out that um, uh, more than one-third of all homeowners' insurability liability claims, which were paid out last year in, in 2013, uh, were due to dog-related incidents. Wait, 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 wait. One-third? The one-third. You got that. Of insurance claims were due to dogs last, uh, what, you said 2013? Yep, 2013. I have a hard time buying that number. <laughs> well, this is, their, this is the number from, which I got from Allstate, okay? And uh, they claim that it amounted to uh, $490 million, with hmm. the average claim costing about $30,000, okay? Uh, you know, I found that a bit high also but you know this is this is the ins- insurance company's uh, own figures on this sort of thing and this is liability insurance that we're talking about so somebody was bitten i mean thirty thousand dollars obviously it, it must include medical and all i i just trying to take a it's, stab yeah, at what it, these claims it, are about it's, it's one-third of homeowners insurance liability claims. okay yep. liability okay yep well, and if you look at the different breeds, I have to say, you know, I, the number one breed I've probably been bitten by at the clinic is a Chihuahua. But the, <laughs> yeah. the degree of, of bodily harm that they sustain is very low. So these bites may not be reported. They may not go through your insurance. So as you know, we get a large dog, such as some of these breeds, and they cause significant damage. So those injuries are going to be more, more financially reported. painful and, yeah, and uh, more reported. So yeah, I think yeah. that kind of skews things when you look at the total bites. Well, isn't yeah. it been reported that uh, dachshunds are the biggest biter out of all the dog breeds? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> they just can't do any damage. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cocker spaniels are not far behind. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what about the skipper key? Well, <laughs> that, that's a funny thing. Um, the Each individual insurance company gets to uh, you know pick what its own liabilities are. Um and put whatever dogs they want on, this, on this, their list. Anyway, there's a guy by the name of Michael Richburg in, in Atlanta, Georgia, and he was being pre-screened for a homeowner's insurance policy, and he was asked whether he had any dogs. Uh, and he said, yeah, he had two mixed breeds. One was a very small 
um, dog, which um, he didn't know what was in it. But the other one he thought was, was mostly a skipper key. Uh, he was then told that uh, they couldn't insure him because the skipper keys were on that insurance company's uh, banned list. A skipper key is, is you know, 15 pounds and maybe stands about 12 inches at the shoulder. And, you know, if he got really angry at your shoelaces, I suppose he could do some damage to your running shoes. (laughs) (laughs) We're with Dr. Stanley Corinne. We'll be back. Hey, folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks, and the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. It's Animal Radio. We're with Dr. Stanley Corinne talking about the 14 dogs that are blacklisted by insurance companies. Okay, so we all agree here. Is there anything we can do about this? Well, um, there are some states uh, which um, uh, have forbidden the uh, insurance companies from doing that. And uh, uh, Michigan and Pennsylvania are the are two which come to my mind immediately. Um, so you know they don't allow this sort of breed profiling for either banning coverage or raising premiums. And there are ten other states uh, that have pending legislation on it. Um, and what they uh, what these states are doing is saying that you know you can't ban or or charge higher. Um, based on breed, uh, but rather uh, only on the dog's history. So if you have a dog which has been declared dangerous uh, uh, or is, you know, has bitten before, uh, then, you, then you can charge the higher premiums. As it and, should be. And so, the, the, um, of course, the insurance companies are arguing, well, you know, if, if that happens, um, uh, you know, if those laws pass, uh, then there's already going to be a claim before you can say that this dog is a biter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, and, you know, some of these claims can be, um, you know, quite the, the judgments against the, the homeowners and the insurance companies can be quite large. There was a woman in Washington State um, who uh, sued uh, over a dog bite, and she was awarded two point two million dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. a big that that's a big hit um, in this sort of thing. Well, you know, one idea I would like to throw out there is, you know, say, say you have a one hundred and fifty pound large breed dog, and you're a responsible pet owner. What about the idea of getting those dogs certified with a mm-hmm. Canine Good Citizen yep. certification, and and be proactive and say, hey, I know the breed's reputation, but I've gone through these steps. As I would encourage any owner of a large, powerful, protective breed, don't get mad at these stereotypes. Fight them and show that you have a properly trained dog that knows how to get along with people and other animals. And I think that's how we're going to combat this. Mm. 
You, know, you just put your you put your finger you, you put your finger on it, Doctor Debbie. A properly trained dog. Education is the answer. Uh, you're talking about responsible dog trainers, uh, yes. dog owners. Yes. And <laughs> unfortunately, for some people, especially you know when it comes to these large dogs, um, the dogs are really being used more for you know an image. You know, I'm a tough guy yep. and I've got a tough dog. In fact, um, a few years back uh, when I was visiting New York. Uh, I learned that in the barrio, in the um, uh, Hispanic uh, section of Manhattan, uh, there's a place called Rent a Roddy, and yep. you can go down over there and get a fully trained Rottweiler, but with a you know one of those collars with spikes on it, and uh, you can strut around the barrio in your body shirt and uh, look really tough with your really tough dog, and then yep. you know come Monday morning you return him to the to the uh, shop. It would be nice if you could uh, set up a system where um, dogs that have had um, adequate obedience training maybe got a different colored uh, license tag. Yeah, that is, that is that is absolutely. You know, we do that for cars and for driving. Insurance companies, they give you a discount if you take driver's ed classes. I yeah. like what you said, Hal. I mean, you got to go to driving school, right? Before you can bring a large, powerful dog home, you should have to go to dog school. <laughs> Dr. Corinne, thank you so much for joining us today. I always have so much fun, and I always learn so much from you. All right. You take care. Keep up the good work. So, listen, I got an email from, um, I love this name, Mildred McDermott. I never knew a Mildred. I can only picture what a Mildred what a Mildred looks like. Now, don't knock him. That's my mom's nope, name. No, I'm not knocking. I'm just, you know, I'm just wondering. Okay. So, anyway, Mildred has a question. Apparently, she lives in a house where her daughter lives downstairs and she lives upstairs. And um, her daughter and her family, um, they have a um, Shih Tzu. Um, named Kyle, and Kyle spends all day with Mildred and all evening with the family downstairs. But apparently Mildred doesn't smoke, but the rest of the family smokes. And what she's saying is that she cannot get the cigarette smoke out of the dog's coat, even when after the dog gets professionally groomed, that the dog still comes back smelling like smoke. Well, cigarette smoke in, in pet's coat is hard sometimes. i I got to tell you, because when pets come into the, into the salon, we can always um, tell um, who's a heavy smoker and who's not just by how their, their dog smells. And basically, even after a bath, um, you could smell it. So what we do... And what do you could tell your groomer to do? Because you don't want to do, you don't want to wash your Shih Tzu at home unless you really know how to blow the coat out and brush him out and that sort of thing. So if you're taking your dog regularly to the groomer, just have them do a vinegar rinse on the dog, and you can actually bring it to them just in case. Um, you know, some of the groomers don't have a um, white vinegar rinse um, in their salon, and it's it's a fifty-fifty mixture of white vinegar, and um, distilled water always works best. But you can use tap water in a pinch. Um, and what what they're going to do is after the dog has been complete, completely bathed, what you're going to do is you're going to clarify the coat. And the vinegar and water, you're just going to pour it over the coat, and it's not going to get rinsed off. It's 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 just it's just going to stay, and you're gonna you're gonna air you're gonna let it air dry or blow dry like you normally would, and that should um, get the um the nicotine off of the coat. But it's funny, some dogs, they come in and, and, and you wonder why they don't have emphysema, that they smell so bad. And, and oh, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I mean, the last thing you want to do is kiss your dog and he smells like an ashtray. Yeah. Well, you know that smoking around your dog can give him, that secondhand smoke is nasty. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dr. Debbie will sit and she'll give you the right act if you smoke <laughs> around your pets. What she'll do. You know, we've had dogs whose coats actually had, um, had that yellowish tint to it. Um, oh. That's just You know, right. where, yeah, so... But that's the, you know, nicot- I mean, smoke smell is, is, is difficult to get out of your um, dog or cat's coat. Yeah. And, um, 
you, you have to clarify. You really got to get it out and, and, and pull it out. It gets deep in there. Well, it just flew by again. Thanks so much for joining us. I want to thank Dr. Stanley Corinne, Judy, Judy Frodino, as well as author Stan Yoakum. Thanks for coming on the show. And thanks for listening. Remember, you can download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry and listen to the show anytime you want, as well as ask questions of the Dream Team. We'll see you back here next week for more Animal Radio. Have a great week. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.